Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what? they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus there's a cat over here there's a cat over there and the wrong one died and the wrong one died Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was a swing in the 2016 Broadway revival of Cats, covering Plato McCavity, Carbuckety, Pounceville, and a couple more. So welcome, Joshua Burge, and thank you for joining me. Hello. Happy to be here. Very excited to have you on. I always love, um, I love talking to swings because you have to kind of understand so many different characters, which is the big thing that I, you know, have really broken down. But before we get into this, you know, the 2016 cast, I always love hearing from you about your history of cats before you ended up in the show. Um, Because it's like, was it the 1998 movie? Was it a regional production? Like, what was your first introduction to the musical? Yeah, uh, my introduction into cats started pretty young. Um, My parents had bought that 1998 uh, film and, uh, me and my older brother, who also is a performer, um, at the time were both, I think I was five and he was maybe like seven. Um, and we just kind of watched that film on repeat for months and months and months and would kind of just copy them and imitate them and pretend we were cats. And at that point, we were dancing or performing at all. So that was kind of our introduction into theater, really, as well. Um, and my parents have, you know, all the all these videos of us just, you know, going for it, doing the Jellicle Ball, uh, kind of just imitating these creatures. Um, and I think it was kind of a cool introduction into theater and Cats as well, because, um, you know, the plot is so, uh, you know, not many people understand it or <laughs> just from the the first time watching so it was easy for us as kids to kind of understand uh and we just kind of became obsessed with it so much that we broke the vhs from watching it so many times um and so that was always uh a big part of our lives um and i hadn't seen a live production of it until this 2016 revival um we both were so excited when we heard it was coming to broadway so we bought tickets to uh one of the first few months of the production um and we went and we're obsessed with it and we're freaking out uh just because we loved it so much and i just through seeing friends in the show i think i saw it probably seven times before wow. i even joined the cast 
So you could say I'm definitely a Cats fan. Um, so then it was just, you know, kind of full circle seeing that or being a part of the production uh, finally, because it felt like, you know, that was my introduction into musical theater and anything Broadway and dance. Um, so to do it was so cool. That's that's awesome here. So I do you have you ever posted has your like family dug up those old videos? Like is that yes. Yeah, if you check out my Instagram, I think I've posted it like three times just because <laughs> it's uh it's a, one of my favorite videos. I love it. I love it. We'll point to it to make sure that there's young you going uh going through the Jellico Ball, which which we'll get to, but I guess I guess let's get into it now. As a five and seven year old, um, did you and your I think your brother, did you recognize the you know what the ball actually is like that's a big thing i've i've talked a lot about is is that i don't think it's a very kid-friendly show when you really think about it and there are so many examples and stories and even when i saw it the first time there were a bunch of kids in the audience of oh just enjoy it but then it's like you know the ball's an orgy and so it's kind of a weird thing to um to be so polarizing so like such a big part of kids lives and you know a bunch of kids who've who've burned through VHSs, but did that, like, was there an aha moment for you when you started kind of learning the show as an adult that was like, oh, I can't believe we have home videos of us doing this? Definitely. Um, I think, yeah, of course, that we were processing that at the time, but uh, through time, even before I joined the show, I, you know, I rewatched clips uh, of the show and was like, oh, this is what that is. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, learning the show is just, uh, you know, kind of a yes. Yeah, you're right. This is exactly what that is. So uh, Amazing. So uh, you get you get cast. What was the conversation like with your brother? Uh, about? About being in, you know, it was like you're both your dual dream and then you get cast in the show. Yeah. Well, funny thing is he actually uh, – became uh the dance captain and swing of the national tour that had gone out of the same production we covered the same exact tracks uh did the pretty much the same exact uh role besides uh he was also dance captain so it was that was probably one of the most exciting parts of it all that sounds like we've got another episode to record here soon. Yeah. Uh, to, that is amazing. So the two of you basically burn through as five and seven year olds a VHS tape, and then both end up being able to do uh, the show as adults. I mean, that's that's probably. I mean, that's got to be very rare because there's not that many people that you know. It's like it's you know the peak of your field is being able to to do this on Broadway and on tour, and it's a lot of people's dreams uh, to do that. And I think of all the, you know, the kids who shoot, I'm much more into sports. And so I the kids who shoot a basket at the end of their, their driveway, think they're going to win the NBA championship, but most people don't. And here you two got to do that. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. That, that was, it was so cool. And we definitely still uh, kind of just like freak out that that happened. Yeah. So let's go into your, how did you, you know, you said you had friends in the, um, in the show. How did the joining as a swing, like how did that all come to life? And then I've got some questions about being a swing because I still, that whole concept is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, I had not gone in for the production at all because at that point I, oh, I'd still been on tour with another show um, when the whole auditions happened for the first round of everything. Um, and then I came into the city and I weirdly was always missing the, whenever the auditions were happening, I was always out of, you know, out of the city or 
uh, unavailable. Um, and they had announced the closing date for the show. Um, and this was probably like early summer 2017. And uh, I just went to the ECC because I had an ECC one day. And I didn't know if they were looking for anybody because um, it was kind of just a required call. But I was like, I need to just go in because, you know, this is something that means so much to me. And I'll beat myself up if I don't even just go in and at least do the audition and feel proud of that. Um, so I went in. Um, it was just a day of dancing and singing. Um, didn't hear anything for like probably almost a month. Um, and then I had been on vacation at the end of the month and I get a email from my agent um, asking my availability for a swing position. Um, and the audition was like in a few days, it was taking place at the Neil Simon um, on the stage. And uh, I was like, oh my God, I got to go in for this. First of all, terrified, you know, about <laughs> the prospect of being a swing because I'd never done that before, but also uh, I had to do it. So I uh, took a bus to New York from vacation. Thankfully I was in Maine, so I was still on the East Coast. Um, went in, you know, had a day of that, left, went back to Maine to finish out, you know, vacation with my family. And then I was called in the following week. It was kind of like a three-day uh, marathon of learning all the dances because being a swing, you need to be able to, you know, cover a bunch of different tracks. So I was learning different, uh, different routines, um, in about three days and then the final day happened um and then i was supposed to be teaching in santa cruz that next week um and my agents had called me that night and were uh were like can you start tomorrow um <laughs> so i was like yes first off let me call my boyfriends in santa cruz and let them know i can't come and teach but also yes absolutely uh this is a dream um yeah so it's kind of fast and furious it was uh, definitely one of those auditions that like you didn't see coming and, and it just happened. And, uh, it was just so cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, childhood dream. So it's gotta be like, drop what you're doing to, to do it. Who yeah. was the very first time you went on? Who did you go on as? Uh, Coracopat. Okay. Okay. So you now, I want to ask a little bit about being a swing. Cause you, you said you hadn't done it before. And I, as someone who can't sing, can't dance, can't, you know, I'm not doing TikTok routines. Um, in my, you know, in my basement, but I, I can't get over the fact of learning the show five different ways, five different times, five different um, songs, like the way what parts you're singing and the dance numbers and everything. What is that like? You know, you didn't have a lot of time. You said three days, basically. How do you go into learning all of that and being able to do that night in, night out, where you're basically switching around who you are? Yeah. So thankfully, so it was three days of learning, like just little little dance sections. Um, so that wasn't as difficult, but I was, uh, thankfully able to learn the show. I had two months they gave me, okay. to, uh, learn all my tracks. Um, so I was taking over for Corey Snide, who was a swing. Um, so he was there basically teaching me and he was a dance captain. So he was teaching me basically his tracks, um, in those two months. And we had a lot of new people coming in at that point too. So as those new people would be learning their tracks, I would learn it along with them. Um, so that was difficult in its own way because uh, I wasn't able to do the tracks yet. I was kind of just learning them and then learning, you know, learning six different tracks in a matter of two months, but not actually kind of performing them and, you know, figuring that out. Um, 
So I learned McCavity first in, it was like two weeks because they had to put two people in. So I learned that with them. And then from there, it was kind of just like Corcopat, you know, Alonzo, uh, Carbuckety, uh, Pounceville, and then Tumble Brutus after that in the next like month and a half. Um, so when you're, yeah. So when you're going bef- between, and I want to get to the character kind of analysis of this here soon, but when you're going in between and you're going one day as one person, one day as another, or cat, one cat to the next cat, what is that like? How much thought do you put into the character when you're on stage versus just I got to make sure I hit the right track, <laughs> like I got to make sure I got the right dance numbers and everything. Like, is there that level of thought versus you know when you hear and you talk to someone who's doing the same track eight times a week or you know about eight times a week, they're really toying and digging into like this is what this cat would do. Yeah, I honestly felt very protected by the choreography because I think how it's set up. Um, and how it's choreographed is the movement very much feels like the character that you're playing. So, uh, you know, although you don't really get to like dive into maybe, uh, this character as much as you would, if you were doing it every night, um, the movement itself that you're doing, you know, feels like this character and, you know, Alonzo is very like pretentious and pulled up and the movement's very, uh, you know, very strict and, uh, precise versus like uh, Carbuckety, who's more of you know a young cat, and his movement's very playful. Um, and same with kind of Pounceable, like there's a lot of uh, floor work and stuff, kind of as a kitten would move. So it that definitely made me feel safe in uh, kind of switching back and forth. I felt like um, that made it easier to change from cat to cat and kind of move with the personality. But it's definitely kind of a mind trick, uh, you know, going from one person to another. Yeah. It could be, I mean, and you go from, you have a wide range. I mean, we think about McCavity on one end to Alonzo to Carbuckety, like those are three very different personalities. Um, how much from the 1998 movie did you kind of bring into, you know, your interpretation of, of the show? Yeah. Uh, probably a good amount. I feel like I was so young when I first saw that that I wasn't really able to kind of process who each character was. Um, So that was really cool about doing this production was I was able to really understand who each cat was. Um, I feel like I definitely knew who Mistopheles was, who I wasn't, I didn't end up covering. Um, But besides that, I didn't really know um, much about each cat. Uh, So I feel like I kind of was able to make my own of uh, each character versus kind of like drawing in but you know a lot of the movement we it was a fusion of Jillian Lynn and uh Andy Blankenbuehler Hmm. um so that was kind of cool because I felt very inspired by that choreography going in um and I felt like I kind of could pull from that um but as far as characters goes I feel like I was just so young I was just seeing like cats yeah, There's a bunch of cats. I mean, it's it's an interesting piece because I've only seen the show twice and have like watched YouTube clips. And I think there's I know more about the backstories and like the character analysis of the cats, but I'm still pretty confident if you had me try to pick between Pounceville, Carbuckety, and Tumble Brutus, I'm not sure I'd be able to point them out on the like in a lineup for you. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like I think like as a you know five and seven year old like you and your brother, it's probably just like there's just a lot of cats, and if it's not 
the Mistopheles and the old Deuteronomy, like the ones that are very, very different and noticeably different, it's probably just like they're just cats dancing. Yeah, I remember like the twin cats very specifically, Mistopheles, of course, old Deuteronomy, um, Tugger, you know, Victoria, the white cat. But like yeah. that, everything else is just like cats. It's just, yeah, it's just a blur. There's so a blur. let's let's get into, I mean, since you came in part of the way through, were you given the three words for all of your cats? Yes. So that was really nice because that was a nice way to introduce ourselves into these characters and how they should kind of, how their movement should be influenced and uh, who they are. So what were McCavity's three words? You know what? I wish. Don't remember? <laughs> I remember that. Um I feel like I got more of Plato's, and you know what? I'm not even sure. They were definitely something like ferocious, you know. I the cavities one I haven't. I've yet to talk to um, like a deep deep dive into McCavity. and so that's yeah. the, like the one I'm kind of curious about because it's such a. It's a it's the character that if I was writing the show, I, I've had a lot of thought about how I'd rewrite the show. Not the dance numbers or anything else, just like the plot, like how I would try to change the plot. And McCavity is the antagonist that I like. McCavity would be the bad guy where we could have an actual arc of the story. And I don't think it's utilized that way. And so it's like, it's a character that I just don't know what to do with. Besides, I love the song. Yeah, that was my favorite character to go on for. For sure. So t- Tell me a little bit about like, what is McCavity's backstory in your eyes? Yeah, um, I kind of saw him as just this kind of like rebel, evil cat that has hypnotized these poor, you know, female cats and other cats um, to join his kind of gang. Um, And he's done some horrible stuff to these cats, aka why Grizabella is so damaged and hurt. Um, And... uh, you know, people kind of fall into his trap. And same with, you know, like Bomb, Bomb and Demeter uh, have kind of escaped his uh, hypnotized, you know, world uh, that he's captured them in. And he's just, I think he just kind of shows up and maybe he's just a troubled cat that uh, doesn't know how to connect with people. So he has to <laughs> aggressively come for the cats. Yeah. Um, it's, it seems like the Demeter being sexually abused by McCavity is like one of the truths of the show. Like it's one of the things, yeah. there's a lot of rumors to the show of like, because of how vague a lot of stuff is. And that seems to be one that's like a, a, a documented truth of the show. I am curious about Grisbella because that seems to be less documented of like, depending on who played it and how they played it is, was he the reason that she left? Is he like essentially her pimp? Like, was he like part of like, what is, what is that relationship? Because it doesn't seem like that's consistent production to production. Yeah. That's, that's what I took from that, that she had gone with him and, uh, people kind of viewed her as a traitor. Um, and she hadn't like escaped from there. Um, but I was kind of thrown to the curb. Um, and now, you know, she's an older cat, so everyone kind of doesn't really know her and just sees this poor, (laughs) sad abused cat um and is judging her for that um i feel like in the cats world it's kind of just like all the cats like heard rumors about her but no one really knows who she is Um, yeah so for some of the older ones that probably had 
relationships with her before. Right. What um so do you view McCavity as part of the Jellical tribe or is he kind of the outsider just trying to cause chaos? I would say he's a part of the Jellical tribe, but in like removed a part of it, but removed. I think he doesn't know how to uh, re-enter back into maybe the Jellical tribe um, and is acting out because of that. Um, but I like to think to I like to think of him at one point, you know, being a part of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's supposed to be brothers with, I think, Tugger and um, Monkish Trap. Mm-hmm. as like potentially old Deuteronomy's kids or in some variation of that. And it's like, so I think it is, he's part of the tribe, but has kind of went down this negative path and is like the bad boy. And then, it, you know, he essentially um, kidnaps his dad or, or brother, depending on how, you know, the, the ages of everyone, how they play it. Yeah. And so it's, it's a weird one because when you looked at the, I don't know if you saw the new movie, um, <laughs> the, the new movie really positioned him as like, I'm the choice for not Grizabella. Like I'm like the whole thing is about how he was going to be kidnapping everyone. So he could be the jellical choice. Right. And I think that that's such an interesting piece because I didn't get that in the stage production mm-hmm. of like, I, that he's all about making sure he's the choice. But as someone who tried to make an argument for him, I do think it's an interesting one of like, what is his argument of, of why he should be picked besides that he's old. You know, he's, he's on the older side of cats. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. And I and I do like how they kind of incorporated him more into, you know, kind of just fighting his way into getting picked versus, you know, because why else would he be chosen? You know, completely. Besides, there really is no, it feels like there's no redeeming qualities to him, you know, or <laughs> reason for him to be chosen. Um, so it is an interesting take to see them kind of just make him like, you know, he kind of has to get rid of everyone in order for him to be the only one to be (laughs) chosen. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I So let me ask you this question because I think being able to go on for a lot, especially the younger, the kittens, um, but also a McCavity and Alonzo, a little bit more mature, um, the my interpretation of the show not my humorous interpretation but my actual like hey this is kind of the root of the the through line for the show is is that for the most part everyone's trying to give the reason why they should be chosen but not everyone really thinks they should be so some are just there to entertain and it's part of the party and that's it 
you by playing, you know, as a swing, so many different characters, you played a few that really have zero chance of being picked. They're young. They're not like even, they don't probably don't want to be picked. And then you have some like McCavity that probably wants to be picked, but is not going to be. How do, do you think about that in your performance, knowing like that's kind of the crux of this show of going in of like, I'm trying to give my worth to old Deuteronomy as McCavity, but I'm also just like kind of trying to be a little bit of a, you know, a nuisance as Carbuckety knowing I'm not going to be picked and I'm just this young kind of like happy to be there kid. Yeah. Honestly, again, with like the choreography, I feel like it lends itself so well to, to helping you out with that. And uh, I think just knowing in general, you know, going to, going on for McCavity or Plato and going on for Alonzo, these people that are more, are more mature cats and uh, even like the twin cats as well. Um, it feels like there is so much more weight to them. And uh, even just like mentally going into those tracks, I felt already like not stressed, but you really have to be like in the zone and it, and it lends itself to kind of feeling that way. Like I have something to prove. I have something to, uh, you know, I, I felt like I already was like trying to prove myself that I'm worthy of going into the, uh, to the heavy side layer versus the kittens um you like playing pounceful playing carbuckety tumble brutus the people that are kind of more of a nuisance uh the choreography itself kind of just feels more playful and it doesn't feel like there is this like huge um weight to everything it does feel just more playful and joyful um so i felt like that already put me in the mental state of of uh not feeling like desperate to get chosen or be in the spotlight or uh, you know, getting getting in front of old Deuteronomy. Um, yeah, I feel like the choreography was so brilliantly done that that you feel that already, like going into it. Yeah, that is, I think, the genius of the show is what Jillian and, and then what Andy did, which is where they placed people and who was standing next to each other and who was interacting with each other is what is almost telling the story that the lyrics aren't. Yeah. Which... My gripe of that is, is that again, having now knowing the names of all these cats and everything, it's like I don't know half the time who I'm looking at. You know, it's like it's like all right, which one is this guy again? Which one's who's she? Um, what was the relationship? So I I want to hear a little bit about a couple of the other ones. I want to hear a little bit about more Alonzo because I'm not sure. Like I know he's part of the coming of age dance with Victoria usually, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of it. He's just a little bit more mature, but he's not a kitten. But like, what is his backstory? Yeah, um, with him, I saw him more as kind of like the sidekick to um, Monkestrap. Like he's always kind of following around him. Um, maybe he's a little bit younger than Monkestrap. Maybe he wasn't given the opportunity to kind of be a leader like Monkestrap. Um, but I think he kind of, maybe, he's, I think he grew up as an educated cat that, you know, thinks he's above a lot of other people um, and has kind of always been like that and um feels like he has a responsibility to protect a lot of people um especially like you'll see that in rum tum tugger he's totally turned off by anything that tugger does or anything that's not proper or pulled up um and he kind of rejects all of that um so i always see him i see him as somebody that grew up kind of feeling like he was the most important and then maybe didn't end up being that important leader that he thought it was going to be. So it was kind of, you know, jaded and bitter in that way. Um, but definitely very much looks up to Monka Strap. 
and uh feels like he should have that power as well you basically just described like rob kardashian yeah (laughs) (laughs) rob kardashian cat he's a rob kardashian of cats um i love it um okay i want to hear a little bit about i and you can tell me a little bit more about how this all came to life but in your cat's wikipedia page which there's a fan wikipedia page it has you as an emergency cover on the tour yes so what is that? What does emergency cover really mean? Is it just like you're on call wherever they are in the country and have to fly out there and go and just because you already know the, the tracks? Yeah. Uh, so what happened there, and that happened actually with a few people um, from the revival company that uh, were asked to go out. Um, there were, you know, the show is so uh, dance heavy and injuries, I feel like, are inevitable with with the production. Completely. Um, and there was a few times where they would be down coverage out on the tour. And because, you know, there's so many, so many people that know the show, um, they kind of just call people whenever they needed somebody. So for me, um, there was, I think the Monka Strap was out for maybe a little bit. Um, and their Plato McCavity had been um, on for Monka Strap. And in that case, there was only, I think someone else was out. So there was only, I think my brother was the only Plato McCavity cover, um, which is scary, you know, in case anyone else gets injured, they're already kind of cutting cats. So they had flown me out there for three weeks to be just on standby in case they needed me for Plato McCavity. Um, and I didn't actually even go on. It was kind of just there as a safety net. Um, so that was also pretty wild being there because I hadn't done the show and, uh, two years at that point I think about two years so I kind of had a you know thankfully my brother was there to help me out like relearn the show um but I just watched the show every night and was there for extra coverage uh Francesca Francesca Grinnell who was a swing um in the revival company with me was out there at the time for Rumple Teaser um I think Sarah Jenkins had just been out there for Jenny Any Dots um so basically yeah we were just out there uh Thankfully, we were, they kept us out there, so it's not like we had to go back and forth, but just mm-hmm. there, just in case, you know, we were needed to go on. Which city were you in the whole time? I went to Detroit for two weeks and then D.C. for a week. Okay, so that's not like, you weren't like one of the the two days and then just like all over. No, yeah, thankfully it was like, you know, sitting down somewhere and my brother was out there, so I got to, I lived with him for the two weeks in Detroit and then um got my own housing that other week but that's so fun that was cool and it's tough to say that we were together for a moment yeah that would i'm sure would your uh it'd probably be tough but like your family tried to go out if you both went on on the same day but you probably learned about an hour before like not too long before you were willing to do it i remember my mom saying she's like if it happens i'll try to get there yeah um that's i I think that's just a, a cool piece so it was like your you know, from five to seven to, to adults being able to, to do this kind of dream thing together, which is uh, unique. Again, like there's not that many people that have that dream that as a young age and then be able to, to fulfill it and live it as a adults. It was so cool. Yeah, especially with that show. It's not even just like theater in general. It was, you know, that exact show. Um, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Were you in one of those stops that did the inflatable sets? Yeah, uh, I think that was, maybe we had that all the stops. It's um, every single one? It was like half inflatable, half um, like hard, uh, 
whatever the rest of the set is made out of. You know? Okay. Uh, I just I, I did talk with Sarah with Sarah Jenkins and we called it the the bounce castle set because it felt castle. like it's just like has a long like a loud thing in the background like yeah, continuously blowing air in there. Back. Yeah. Kind of like when you have a bounce house on. Yeah, and so is that different to perform on versus like were they also raked? I didn't know what a raked stage was until I started no. doing this. And so they weren't raked, which was nice because that was definitely a challenge um, about doing it in New York. Um, but the inflatable part, most of it was not where we would usually dance on. And okay. if you would have danced on there, they had adjusted the show to uh not be up there. Like I think Grizz at one point in our production had she's like all the way you know, the furthest back on the set sitting up top, which wouldn't have been able to happen there because um, it's like mainly like the back surrounding part is the blow up part. But I will say it does look you it's deceiving unless you know it, that it's uh, blown up, you would not be able to tell. I just love the idea. I kept thinking when I heard about it the first time that like, there's all the, the tumbling. I'm like, all right, you're gonna it's like, Jumping on a trampoline, like at a bounce cancel. Like you can do you can do two flips instead of one. Like you're yeah, getting a little extra lift. They should have used that a little more. I don't know if they needed to be sturdier, but they could have done some cool uh, acrobatic moments on there. Yeah, I'm happy to tell the writing of the story. I'm happy to give like my take on that. But um, me giving dance choreography advice to uh, to an Andy Blankenbeer is probably not the right uh, area of expertise. But um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, you said you saw the new movie. What was your take? Like... Did you go, like, did you go, I think a lot of people were, you were on tour. You might've been in that time frame where it was coming out around when you were on tour. I, um, I had just got, gone off a tour. So I was back in the city at that point. Okay. Um, and I was so excited to see it. Me and my friends were honestly like all my friends to kind of have similar stories of watching the movie growing up and just being obsessed with it in some capacity. Um, so we all, you know, we, we bought tickets like two months in advance um, and we went and honestly, we had a great time together. You know, it's different. Yeah. Um, one of a kind, I will say, but I think just, you know, there was something about being in that theater, everybody, especially being in New York, I think, cause we were surrounded by a lot of other theater people or theater lovers. There was something about being in the city and seeing that movie that made it epic. Uh, you know, people were singing, people were dancing, clapping. It just felt like a celebration. And I think that made the whole experience 10 times better. Um, yeah, I saw it in a press viewing. Okay. And, which was a, mostly people I think either related to the show or media or something like that. And it was full and it was a lot of people laughing at parts that probably aren't funny. Mm. And that was where I was like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting thing. Like if this group is struggling to keep it together, where there's probably a little bit of level of professionalism going into that type of viewing. Right. Then I was like, I can't even imagine going, I'm from Indiana, like going in a theater in the middle of Indianapolis or in, you know, even further out into like the rural areas of like seeing this kind of, movie where there's not as much theater there's not as much kind of like knowledge of that and so i i've only seen it once since but i i did find that whole thing fascinating i i'm sure it was way more fun seeing it with a bunch of people that also are fans of the show and like can appreciate whether you loved it or hated it at least appreciate kind of like what was made of it Ex yeah exactly i think that's what we felt going in and 
And I know it's already a show that's so strange to make into a movie and try to make, have more meaning and, uh, you know, in the, in the movie sense, but we were just such fans. So to go in and see it in any capacity was exciting and cool. And, and we had a good, we had a good time no matter what. Um, that's awesome. It was a fun time. Yeah. We, we look back at it and we're like, that was, that was an epic night. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's get into a couple rapid fire and then we're going to go into the, the million dollar question. Um, so my first thing is, is you played a lot of, of the cats, but is there somebody that you didn't play that you like, if you could just play anybody and I'll even say like suspend if you have the vocal range for it, or if it's like a female or male, is there like, who would you want to play? Just if you had the ability to play any cat. I really love uh, Mungo Jerry. Mungo um, Jerry. Yeah, he, he's a fun cat because you you have that moment, you know, that number that I also just love that number in general. Um, and I love being able to partner and be with somebody on stage. So I think he has a fun track in that sense where he's always with Rumple Teaser. Um, and I always love that number. And yeah, just kind of like that, like mischievous fun energy throughout the show. Um, I was always kind of like jealous. I was like, ah, oh, that'd be a fun one to do. Yeah. The Klepto, the Klepto cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is your favorite and least favorite cat? Hmm. That I, uh, covered. Nope. Just character wise. Generally. I always try to say, I also take the people out of it. Just like personality wise, which one do you really like? And which one do you really hate? I always just have a soft spot for Plato McCavity. I'll have to say, like That's the villain. <laughs> okay. Definitely my favorite. My least favorite. Oh, this is hard because I feel like there's so much, so many redeeming qualities to a lot of the cats. Um, I would have to say maybe Alonzo. A little too pretentious for you. A little too pretentious. Yeah. I There's less room in that, in that role for anything fun or just you know, in the cavity sense, you get to kind of just go crazy. And I feel like you don't really get to do, it's a very, it's a very pulled up and pretentious role that. Yeah. I mean, again, you don't want to be Rob Kardashian. Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite song in the show? Uh, Skimble Shanks. Skimble Shanks. Okay. And do you get to do probably a good portion of that with some of the other, you know, the characters you get to go, right? You get to help build the, the train and everything. Cause yeah. I don't, don't think McCavity's in it, but. Yeah. I, um, that was what was fun about being a kitten. They're kind of active throughout that whole thing. Um, like Alonzo and Corcopat are kind of just on the sides doing like little moves. Um, and they do get to build the train too, but being, being on for the kittens, you get to really be very involved with that number. That's awesome. Which, this is, I think, one of my favorite questions now. Which cat do you think, personality-wise, is thriving in 2021? Oh, gosh. I think probably Carbuckety. I could see Carbuckety thriving. I feel like he's, you know, that... I could see him as a TikToker. I could see him... <laughs> he has that energy. I could see him maybe being a little bit reckless even throughout the pandemic. So maybe, maybe thriving, maybe he's not thriving, maybe he's being, you know, unsafe, but I, I feel like he's kind of just going off. He, he, he has that young energy and I, I could see him. This is his time. Yeah. He's okay. So he's probably a little too reckless. A little too but, reckless for a pandemic, but, but he's young and he's making the most of, of what he can in the time he's got. All exactly. Right. Definitely. Okay. Has a account. 
Yeah, I love it. And it's got his own dance moves. It's, it's, uh, yeah, he's okay. Um, my million dollar question, uh, which is what I've, um, asked everybody, it's the basis of the show is I don't think Grizabella is the right jellical choice. Mm. So I'd love to hear from you. Do you agree with me? Um, and if so, I'd love to hear who you would pick. And if not, I would love to hear your defense of Grizabella and I'm going to try to change your mind. Yeah. You know, I would say if we got to know her a little bit more, um, I would say choose her. But I'm thinking, you know, about Gus um, and what's happening to him. Um, Team Gus. Okay, let me ask you. I love asking this. I've been thinking a lot about this more because everyone who has, like, there's a lot of a lot of people go for Gus. But I'm going to reframe my question to you. If you're an old Deuteronomy, yeah. What is your criteria every year to choose who's going to the heavy side layer? Um, my criteria would be I would I would want to choose a cat that has lived somewhat of a full life already. Um, somebody uh, who has been a big part of the tribe, you know, has not just kind of existed in it, but has you know helped out and uh, has felt like a real member of the tribe. Um, and somebody who's been loyal as well to their, you know, the people of the tribe. Okay. So if you that's your criteria now, you've basically just eliminated Grizabella. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm kind of thinking I have another person in mind. Um, I kind of want to see Jelly Lorem, you know, get chosen. Jelly Lorem. Like, she kind of fills, after saying that, I kind of think, I'm thinking she's checking all those boxes. Yeah, so she does fit. I think Gus also fits that your criteria. Yeah, I think Jenny probably fits your criteria. Yep. Um, and that's why I find this again. I just find this so fascinating because everyone just assumes it should be Graves because of the redemption story and like that she's needed it. But the more I start asking people about how does Old Deuteronomy choose, it kind of right. makes you think. And and maybe if we knew more about her, maybe she has done those things. And it, it was a more recent turn or like, you know, maybe she used to be like that and then something happened to her and we can recall the times when she used to be, you know, like, like that, but we don't really get that. No. And, you know, I did a, I didn't, it hit me. I did a live um, reunion and kind of like celebration with, and I had three past Grizabellas on oh, wow. and they're like, yeah, we have 15 minutes on stage each night. It's, and that was like, when they said that, I was like, oh, wow, like you don't get a lot of time. And, you know, 15 minutes, four or five of that is memory. Um, yeah. A big chunk of it's little memory. And so you don't have a ton of time to to tell that story quickly. And so I think it is like fair if you want to fill in the blanks and we want to assume. And I think that's what uh, the newer movie tried to do. The new yeah. movie tried to fill in some of those blanks and give a little bit more story so that way everyone isn't was I guess less confused because <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, going to confuse no matter what. Victoria as a, not a narrator, but you know, kind of somebody that takes you on that journey. Yeah. Which, which I think would be interesting if the stage production did that. But yeah. There's I would, no, I love to see that. there's no talking in the stage production. Right. <laughs> so, so your answer now, so now after going through it that way, your answer is jelly. I'm going to say jelly. Okay. I love it. I love it. You've got, yeah, she's got the reason. I feel like she's singing your face off the whole show. She is there for, you know, she's there with, for Gus, you know, she's always kind of taking care of people. I see her as very kind. Um, 
loyal. I feel like she's worthy. Can I give you a counter argument to Jelly? Because I think it's interesting that um, – because I've thought about her a lot. I've actually not made an argument for her yeah. in a sense. But when – depending on like one way I look at it is people are raising their hand for the song cats are the ones that are saying like, I want to be chosen. Think of me. And she almost says, I'll give up my opportunity to do this because I want to give you my friend. Like my here's my my friend Gus. Yeah. And so it's like, would she even, I guess maybe you don't get a choice because old Deuteronomy kills you. But like, would she even go? Yeah, you know what? I feel like I would see her not going. I could see her giving it away because I think she is selfless like that, um, <laughs> which is exactly why she should be chosen. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I don't think she would go. Like now that you mentioned that, I I do think she is very like generous of you know that. Yeah, the most common answer is, is Team Gus. Yeah, and then Team Gus fits your criteria. Yeah, too. he seems like a the right choice, especially age wise. You know, he's seen a lot. It's time. I just am glad that I um, am able to change your mind. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thank you for allowing allowing me to look, you know, deeper into that. And slowly, I'm trying to get everybody who's done the show and potentially doing the show in the future to be like, I don't know, should we really pick her? Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna yeah, have a different a different ending, and it'll be a different cat. That's what I. So one thing I would love to do, and I've said this, I think, on an episode before, or maybe I've just said it in passing to other people, is I think it'd be really fun to have a different cat each night, especially the tours. So that way, when you go, you get a different ending each night and you get a different potential, like who actually deserves it today. Yeah. You can still sing memory and then just add a couple lines of like, here's our choice today. Yeah. <laughs> Your last note was not it. You did not get chosen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got it. You still got to sing memory. You still have to have that whole thing, but you can bring that whole arc together and her still not get chosen. And then she's just back as part of the tribe. Absolutely. I think that's almost even that'll throw so many people off because you, you expect that after that. Yeah. And you know, also 40 plus years of, of her being the choice is probably some people, most people or not most people, I would say a lot of people at least have some idea going in of like what they're getting into. Maybe not. I had no idea, but it's not like, that's a, I think that that was on me. Like, I kind of think anybody who goes in and doesn't know at this point, it's like seeing a movie from the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been around long enough that you, you you shouldn't be spo- like a spoiler alert doesn't need to be said. Yes. I got you Everyone and their mother knows at this point. Exactly. Um, so what are you working on these days and how can we stay in touch with you? Yeah. Um, I have been teaching a lot. Um, dance. I was teaching through zoom, uh, during the whole pandemic. Um, and that kind of has transferred into a lot of like in-person teaching, um, auditioning, hoping to be doing some theater soon. Um, so happy to be seeing it, you know, starting up again. Um, so hopefully doing that eventually soon. Um, but yeah, just, you know, keeping busy dancing in the meantime. Love it. And how can we stay in touch on social media? Yeah. Uh, my Instagram is Joshua Burridge and my Twitter is Joshua Burridge three. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, um, for telling me way more about Plato McCavity and, and, you know, just the whole swing experience and your experience and especially cool with, you know, the family experience with you and your brother getting to do it to kind of together, but definitely, you know, back to back too, which is really cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. Hey, 
And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died. Check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.